G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Our special guest this hour, Dr. Megan Best. Megan is a bioethicist and a palliative care doctor, respected medico. We'll be talking about Megan's latest book. It's called A Life Already Started. Now, with uh, statistics like one in three women under 40 in Australia having had an abortion, it's rare not to be touched by this issue. Today, we want to talk about unplanned pregnancies and what sort of positive pathways you might be able to find if you found yourself in that circumstance or a family member found themselves in that circumstance. We'll open our talkback lines. You can be part of our conversation. You might have a question to ask. You might have a contribution to make. You may have your own story to tell. Our talkback line open from now on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. A special welcome to our guest, Dr. Megan Best. Hello, Megan. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Megan. Great to have you as part of our program today and on such an important issue because the whole issue of unplanned pregnancies, uh, it's going to hit the lives of uh, young women uh, young mm-hmm. couples uh, and families when you start to talk about who's affected by an unplanned pregnancy more broadly. Uh, Megan, the, the whole focus of your book, tell me about A Life Already Started, the motivation for you to write on the topics that you have. Well, I, I have a long-standing interest in uh, ethics at the beginning of life and my first book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made Look at uh, all aspects of, of beginning of life. But I was approached to um, write a book about abortion for young Christian women because um, there was a uh, concern that uh, this might be something that young women didn't know a lot about and certainly didn't know much about um, the complications of having an abortion. But as I did my research with young women, um, Sort of look at, thinking about year nine and up, really, I I was struck by how little they understood about the whole process of um, life beginning and what their options were, uh, what they would do if they found themselves to be pregnant. And it seemed to me that the focus of a discussion on abortion for this particular group had to be on unplanned pregnancy because that is when the topic would come up for them. Uh, and so that was my way into the book. And I was really struck um, by the fact that when you talk to people in some churches, they say, oh, we don't have a problem with unwanted pregnancy in this this church. But even though we don't collect statistics in Australia, uh, one study recently in the US said that around 75% of women having abortions said that they were Christian. So I thought, well, even given... Um, 
a lower rate of of uh, religion in this country, there must be women uh, in churches, and that this was a topic that really needed to be discussed. Well, Megan, I suspect too that Christians and churches get a bit of a bad rap when it comes to unplanned pregnancy because there are all sorts of preconceived ideas about how uh, church leaders or about how Christian people react in the circumstance of an unplanned pregnancy. Is this a big issue? Look, I think it is. And I think that it's quite damning on us uh, in churches that we're not seen as a place of refuge, but as a place of judgment. And uh, it's, it's quite true that we all sin, but I guess unplanned pregnancy is a more visual confirmation of sin than you often get. And and many churches do stress sexual sin as being a particularly bad sort of sin, when in fact the Bible doesn't say there are really bad sins and, and not so bad sins. I mean, sin is sin, and we are all guilty of sin, and we have all been forgiven for sin uh, when we trust in Jesus and truly repent. So I think... We, we do tend to say this is a particularly bad sin, but I don't think that's what the Bible says. And, and of course, I, I think we have to be more careful to, to let the young people in our churches know that if they, you know, if, if they mess up and, and make mistakes, that, that the church is a place where they can find forgiveness and support. It may be an area that listeners to our conversation might even like to make a contribution to uh, is the Christian church seen as a place of judgment rather than a place of refuge, particularly when it comes to this issue of an unplanned pregnancy. Uh, Megan, we've discussed some of these sorts of things before. Loved you to be able to just recount the Christian position on where life begins and really whether this is just an emotive position or whether this is a scientific basis. Because I'm sure there are people who are uh, in the Christian community who are even confused about when life begins because so many people talk about all sorts of variations and when personhood begins and those sorts of things. Can you give us a quick uh, scientific foundation, given your medical background and the research study that you've done on the beginning of human life? Well, you can look at it from different uh, perspectives. Uh, But you mentioned the term personhood, and this is a term that many pro-choice groups now use to say uh, this is when a human being should be protected, is when they become a human person. But they say that being a human person doesn't depend on biologically being a human being. But that's at odds with what we know Uh, biologically and and, uh, as well as philosophically. And I think that if you look at the actual signs, uh, when you get a sperm and an egg join, you get a new individual with their own unique DNA, which um, will stay with them until they are an adult. And everything they need to to develop uh, through their own... um, uh, independently uh, from that single cell when the egg and the sperm join is present in the single first cell of the embryo and then it goes on to develop in a continuum through being an embryo and a fetus to when they are born and indeed until they are a mature adult. So biologically we know that it is one continual process. And if you look at world eminent embryologists or the people who are specialists 
uh, in how human beings develop. They agree that when you have that first individual cell with its own DNA, that is the beginning of the development of the human being. So in biological terms, there is no doubt that a human being begins with a single cell of the sperm and the egg joining. And this is, in fact, affirmed in the Bible. Uh, we're told in Genesis that, that human beings are made in the image of God, and it is that reason um, for which we need to, to treat human beings with respect, not because of anything we can do, but because of the God in whose image we are made. And we're different from animals, and we need to be treated carefully. We don't know, though, um, when our relationship with God begins from any particular verse. We know from places like Psalm 139 that we have a relationship with God while we're still developing in our mother's womb. And there are other similar passages like Job 10. Um, but it doesn't say exactly when that uh, relationship begins. We know from the fact that Jesus was born not as a fully formed human, but as an embryo in his mother's womb that unborn children are precious to God. But I think if you put together those verses and the fact that biologically we know that life is a continuum from the fertilization of the egg by the sperm, that it would be arbitrary to say that there is any other point after fertilization at which uh, human life begins. And while I know that some people say, well, just because you're a human being doesn't mean you need protection um, from destruction and that's where the personhood argument comes in well you know who says you have to be a person this is just an argument that's been developed by people who are pro-choice and I think if you look at the bare facts there's absolutely no doubt that human beings uh, start their development when the egg and the sperm join and according to biblical teaching I would say we therefore need to err on the side of caution and protect all human beings from that time. So the child's right from conception in the womb is already a life and therefore once a young woman finds that she is pregnant, uh, as you say, she's already a parent and she needs to care for that child. That's right. And I, I had I would just like to say that when we discuss these things, that this is an area of great hurt for many women out in our community. As you said, one in three women um, in Australia will, will have an abortion. And so there are a lot of people who uh, find this as a source of great pain. But I, that's why I chose that title for the book, A Life Already Started, is, is because... Um, our community would say, well, once you're pregnant, you have to decide, do I want to be a mother? Well, you already are a mother. And, and so that is the basis for your decision-making at that time. And I think that even though pregnancy um, is seen as something we shouldn't tolerate because we have good contraception these days, uh, no contraceptive technique is 100% fail-proof. So if you are sexually active, you are always at risk of getting pregnant and I wish that more young people understood that. Well, I want to invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation. You might have a contribution to make. You might have a question. You might even have a perspective that is at odds 
uh, with what's being shared today with Dr. Megan Best. You're welcome to call us. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We did hear a little earlier that uh, when it comes to the Christian church, sometimes the church and Christians are, are known to be uh, a place of judgment rather than a place of refuge. You might have a comment to make about that. Our talkback line open on one 316 316 Megan, your book is a practical book. You're wanting to give real practical guidelines uh, for mm. particularly women, but it's really couples too in, in many respects, but, but particularly young women who have an unplanned pregnancy. Well, the way the book is structured is it's speaking to the young woman with an unplanned pregnancy, but it's also got uh, content which uh, discusses the situation of the father of the child. And there are tips all the way through the book for friends and parents and uh, clergy who are wanting to support someone in this place. And uh, a Bible study has also been written as a companion book, which um, can look at the topic in five studies if you'd like to, to take uh, the opportunity to look at the topic with um, a youth group, for example. So it's it's a very practical book because in my research, as I said, a lot of girls just didn't know what to do. And so as well as discussing the theory of how we make decisions or ethics and the um, the biological, medical side of things, I also talk about how we um, can make decisions based on uh, what we learn from the Bible and then uh, looking at the options for a woman with unplanned pregnancy, which in summary are basically you can have an abortion, you can uh, adopt the child out, or you can keep the child and raise it yourself. And we'll try to enlarge on some of those options as we go through our conversation today and even introducing uh, some extra uh, guests into our conversation. Uh, Megan, take us back to really that point, which is a critical one in the life of a young woman who uh, discovers that she is pregnant and is now faced with all of these hard choices she never thought she would ever have to make. Uh, can you can you just enlighten us on perhaps uh, how that young woman might be feeling and uh, the pressure that she is under in those moments? Well, I, I think we need to remember that is a very scary experience uh, for a young woman to find herself um, pregnant. Uh, she may not know who she can talk to. As as I said, uh, they they may not feel they can approach um, some people in in their church. They might feel scared to talk to their own parents, so I think parents are the best support in this situation. Um, I, I would say that the first thing they need is comfort and to know that if they truly repent, God forgives them. And I, I think that uh, a good friend might be the pers- first person they would, would be able to talk to, not someone who gossips a lot, <laughs> uh, but someone who uh, will support them emotionally at a very difficult time and perhaps give them the support they need to talk to someone who um, has advice for them because the person who is the best emotional support may not also be the person who has the best advice to give. So it may be just a close girlfriend. It may be the youth group leader um, for that girl, Um, but somebody who is able to just give them a big hug and say, I'm here for you, uh, just to cope with that first wave of uh, fear and anxiety. And and then, uh, as I said, I think parents have the wisdom and they care for the child. And, and if 
they are supportive. They would be the person I would uh, hope a young girl could talk to. Sadly, not all girls have that relationship with their own parents, in which case I would I would recommend them just looking around at an older adult who has the resources and the understanding to know where to point them. But someone who is absolutely on their own, I'd say they need to make an appointment with their GP and, and go along and confirm the pregnancy because um, the ones you get from the chemist can be unreliable if they're done at the wrong time. Get the blood tests. Make sure you really are pregnant and then um, and then listen to the advice of what needs to be done and, and what the options are. Megan, there are also some very good sure. pregnancy support centres, but we can talk about that later. Let me ask you about that visit to the GP because... Uh, in some states, uh, the visit to the GP, uh, people may feel pressured one way or another. Uh, is your uh, local doctor visit to the GP and uh, pouring out your heart in that uh, opportunity, uh, is that a, a, a safe thing to do uh, in, in most states? Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a visit to a GP to confirm the pregnancy, but you're quite right to say that a lot of GPs just want to deal with each patient as quickly as possible or may not be sympathetic uh, to a young woman who is not instantly thinking of abortion because sadly abortions are quick and easy in our society and it's much harder to keep a child than to have an abortion. So a lot of doctors will say, well, this is the easiest way to solve the problem with very little um, inclination to talk about the problems of abortion and the complications that can occur afterwards. So there are pregnancy support centres in um, in Australia. Sadly, I don't think there are enough of them. But you um, would be able to find on the internet or uh, in some places in your local phone book a pregnancy support centre which will truly give you um, unhurried advice about what your options are and the pros and cons of, of the different alternative pathways you can take. And uh, there are many Christian groups that do this work. And if you do decide you would like to keep your baby, they will give you a lot of practical support um, just uh, to help you cope wherever you are. Because sadly, some girls will be forced to leave home if um, they bring the shame of an unplanned pregnancy on their family. Um, some may be in a relationship where their partner won't support them. And some of these girls just need a place to stay. Um, while they are pregnant if they're unable to work. And um, there are pregnancy support centres in Australia who will provide all those things. 2020, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. You are on Vision. Good to have you along with us. We're talking through some important issues this hour, finding a positive path in unplanned pregnancy. Our guest is Dr. Megan Best, bioethicist and palliative care doctor. Uh, Megan, uh, good talking to you about this topic. And uh, where we talked earlier and we said sometimes uh, people see Christians and the church as being a place of judgment and not a place of refuge, I guess this, like so many issues, is where we have a two-speed approach. Yes, there's a, a moral uh, standard that we uphold and that we defend. Uh, on the other hand, we have arms wide open and uh, and the love of Christ needs to be seen. Yes, and I think it's, it's um, pertinent to think of the story of Jesus who was confronted by the woman who was caught in adultery. And um, there's no doubt that she was guilty. And it's I'd, I think we need to remember that he said, well, 
when you say to me, should this woman be, be stoned to death? My response to you is, well, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And when the crowd disappeared because they realized that um, they all were sinful, he said to the woman um, that she was forgiven, he, that he didn't condemn her, but he told her to go away and sin no more. So he wasn't saying it's okay to sin. In fact, he knew he was about to die for her sin. He knew how serious her sin was, but he still forgave her. And I think the love and compassion that Christ showed um, is is something that we need to try to emulate and realize that it doesn't mean we say it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. But when we do sin, that there is a pathway of forgiveness and there is a godly way through every situation, as we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 10, that uh, we are never tempted beyond what we can resist. And we need to look for that godly way out of an unplanned pregnancy, just as we do in any other situation. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might like to contribute to our conversation. Let's hear from Jeff in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Jeff. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, thanks for welcoming. Yes, um, interesting conversation. Really, uh, seventeen. My then girlfriend and uh, I were expecting a baby, and. Um, Went through the process, went to a doctor and he suggested abortion and I won a 15 kids and it wasn't a great childhood. So I guess you're thinking, well, what have we got to offer? But we walked away from that and no, that wasn't going to happen. Had to talk to the, the future in-laws and explain what happened. And fortunately they were were Christians and they were pretty gutted, but we talked through it. And um, at 17 we got married and um, our baby was born when I just turned 18. And um, over the years, we were just frowned upon and different ones before we even got married. I think one of the aunties of wife's auntie said, oh, you won't work, you'll be divorced before you, you know, three or four years are up and 40 years later we're still together. So, you know, it's, yeah, it was a big decision, but it's been hard. We grew up with a baby, I guess, because we're only babies ourselves and... Um, you were under a huge amount of pressure, Jeff. Uh, let's hear from Megan. Uh, Megan, your thoughts on Jeff and sharing his story. Well, well, first of all, good on you, Jeff. I think uh, we have to remember that fathers are part of the equation and um, an abortion can hurt fathers just as much as it can hurt mothers. And it's important for them to be um, in the mix. But the Bible talks about our responsibilities as parents that uh, we're to provide for our children and give them a sense of belonging. And I think Jeff and his wife have certainly done that for their child. Um, and I think that while some couples do decide to get married um, after they become pregnant, we need to remember that what the Bible says about marriage is a lot more than just having sex. And, and that warning they had that, you know, you'll be divorced in a few years. Um, I think you have to be very wise in deciding whether you will marry uh, when you get pregnant. And this might be quite controversial, but I think that we are devaluing the biblical model of marriage if we say that, um, that if we're sexually active, that means you're as good as married because marriage involves a lot more than that in God's eyes. 
Well, sometimes uh, people suggest that you may be following one mistake after another. And uh, Jeff is still on the phone with us. Jeff, uh, Mm -hmm. when you reflect on uh, some of the mistreatments that you uh, were exposed to uh, in church life, uh, did that eventually change and did things eventually get better? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of judgment went on. uh, Well, not a lot of judgment, but, you know, like, out of, say, ten people, three or four would judge and say, you know, you sinned, you know, you're backslidden, you did all this. And um, and we certainly, I mean, I was a new Christian. I only, I only knew the Lord once we decided to get married, really. So for me, it wasn't, well, it wasn't, I guess I didn't think of it as far as sinning, you know. But, um, well, yeah, I guess, Jeff... Yeah, so, I want to just uh, thank you for being so open and uh, wearing your heart on your sleeve and uh, telling us your story. Really appreciate your call today here on 2020. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for that. And um, I've got six lovely grandkids from 18 down to four. So, yeah, certainly the fruits of uh, a love are great. So. That's a wonderful story. Thank That's you very great. much for the good news <laughs> side of that, Jeff. Wonderful, wonderful. This is the, uh, this is the thing, isn't it, uh, Megan, uh, that that child that is saved because there's an alternative plan other, t- other than av- abortion uh, brings forth all of this fruit uh, in the older okay. years. That's right, and God tells us that children are a great blessing, and and you know that you just don't know what will happen. The uh, late Steve Jobs, who was uh, sort of the the brains behind the explosion of Apple, um, he was uh, adopted out by his his mother when she had an unplanned pregnancy, and he spent a lot of money uh, tracking her down later in life so he could thank her for not having an abortion. Mm. Uh, well, unfortunately, our time... But every life's valuable. Every life is <laughs> every valuable. Every life's valuable, even if you're not Steve Jobs. Our yeah. time with you is running out, Megan, and uh, I just want to thank you for being available today. We are going to continue our conversation and uh, just looking to uh, to get a hold of our uh, next guest who's joining us to continue on this conversation, Jenny Cotter from uh, Diamond Pregnancy Support in Sydney, and we're just trying to get a hold of Jenny right now. But, Megan, just to, uh, to just draw a attention right. to I your book. Ha- I can stay until Jenny arrives. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll try and get her in just a, in just a moment. Uh, a Life Already Started, the name of your book. Uh, where can people get a hold of your book? Uh, if they go online and um, just Google uh, A Life Already Started and my name or go to www.fervrfever.com. It's Neil Johnson with you on this edition of 2020 and talking through a very important topic all about the book A Life Already Started, our special guest Dr Megan Best who's a bioethicist and a palliative care doctor and deals with these sorts of areas. She's also the author of a book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Uh, Megan, we're going to be saying goodbye to you in just a few moments but uh, wanted to introduce into our conversation Jenny Cotter. Jenny leads the Diamond Pregnancy Support in Sydney Hello, Jenny. Welcome along. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, Megan, uh, before we uh, move into a deeper conversation uh, with with Jenny, um, let's talk about some alternatives to abortion because this is one of the areas we've been talking about, but your book is very practical and you like to talk about the viable alternatives. Uh, Introduce us to what they might be. Well, I think that um, if, as Christians, we want to encourage people not to have abortions, we need to provide viable alternatives. And they are firstly 
keeping the baby and raising it yourself, which has many challenges. But uh, we know from the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible that it is also possible to take responsibility for our neighbours, or in this case an unborn child, by arranging for someone else to do the practical care. And I think that is the role of adoption. And it's out of favour at the moment. But I think as Christians, we should be championing uh, the cause of adoption because we are the adopted children of God. But if the church um, is really serious about reducing uh, teen abortions, and we know that more than 50% of teen pregnancies in Australia uh, end up in abortion at the moment, we need to do practical things like provide places for these young girls to stay, to financially and prayerfully support pregnancy centres like the one Jenny runs. And I think uh, short-term accommodation for girls who have nowhere to stay, all these are going to be very important practical things for churches to get involved with if we're really going to live out what we, we think is true. Well, Dr. Megan Best, uh, we'll say farewell to you now. Thank you so much for your contribution Thank today you on so 2020, much. and we'll continue our conversation with Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jenny, you're with us, and you run yes. a uh, support organisation, Diamond Pregnancy Support. Can you, yes. can you describe for us what state young women might be in when they knock on your door looking for help? Uh, we've had a myriad of um, clients come to us and I'd love to tell you that there was one socioeconomic or one gender or one race or one right through until 45. And um, they, some are single, some are married, some are um, in de facto relationships. And the, honestly, our experience has been they're just used, like they're facing a life-altering situation they're unsure of options they're unsure what parenting looks like to them and what the future holds and you know even if they haven't articulated it clearly to themselves or anyone they already have dreams and an idea of their future and all that is about to cosmically change and so they're navigating um, emotions plus hormones and um, it can be quite tumultuous so after the initial embrace, and I assume that oftentimes there's tears and things can be yes. uh, very emotional, uh, where do you yes. start? What is what is square one where you start to explain the options? And, of course, as a Christian, coming from a Christian foundation, uh, mm. where faith fits into the whole uh, uh, prospect of what might be coming? Well, our, our primary, our heartbeat is hope. So we always from a position of hope um, so we unpack we go back even a step further so when a girl comes to us in that situation quite often she can um, like the pregnancy is the issue but quite it, it's actually not often if you when a girl comes to us facing an unplanned pregnancy she's in turmoil not because of the pregnancy but because of the peripherals surrounding the pregnancy she feels that the pregnancy is causing homelessness or um, relationship or there's a threat to relationships or family ostracizes her whereas quite actually all of those are peripheral so if we help her navigate finances if we help her navigate housing situations and navigate the conversation with her parents or the father of the baby or we navigate help her navigate her education around the pregnancy the pregnancy doesn't become the issue it's the peripherals so by helping with the peripherals we've in, in essence assisted her in handling and managing and understanding where the pregnancy fits in her future 
And it's at that point there that she begins to she begins to sense hope herself that maybe um, the pregnancy isn't the end of the world. It's not a terminal disease. It's a pregnancy. And with the pregnancy comes a baby. And that actually doesn't need to be the end of the world. It's just different to what you thought your life would look like. And um, and if we help with all the factors surrounding that, then she can look at the pregnancy and the life with the child with hope. And that's where we bring in our faith. You know, and we explain that that is in Christ and that there is hope in restoring relationships, you know. And um, and then we have had a beautiful story just recently where a woman came to us facing, um, she's in a homeless situation, broken relationships, including her family. And it's through this, um, helping her navigate the her feelings around the unplanned pregnancy and her housing and her things, she's decided to reconcile with her family and started going back to church. It's Neil Johnson with you. We're talking with Jenny Cotter. She leads the Diamond Pregnancy Support in Sydney. And we're talking about today positive pathways in unplanned pregnancy. Uh, Jenny, in our last segment, you mentioned that there's a whole lot of peripheral issues that are going on. I am Imagine yes. that all of those peripheral issues are impacting all at once. That's how confusing it is. Quite often that is the case now. It's some are just more imminent and more pressing than others. For instance, the issue of homelessness could be um, a matter of weeks away, whether as um, continuing their education, we can like work that out over several months. Okay. Now, when we start to get into practical ways that you can handle this circumstance of an unplanned pregnancy, yes. how do you how do you work on that? Do you sort of set up, uh, you know, meetings with the various people who are involved, like parents and uh, yes, with uh, partners so, and those things? Absolutely. So, if we can, our first point of call is always to see if we can meet with the father of the baby or the boyfriend. Um, he's the number one influencer often in an unplanned pregnancy and if we can get him to see that being a parent and taking responsibility for his now family is actually an excellent thing to do. It's actually something really brave and courageous and doesn't have to um, totally change his life um, in an adverse way that this that it can be a really positive step, then that's our first step. If he's um, unwilling or unavailable, um, we then look at other options. And, of course, the parents of the girl are always quite significant. But, again, depending on her age or her marital status, um, the parents may or may not. Because we always assume unplanned pregnancies for young people, but it, it's often not. And I guess there's all sorts of ripple effects here too because if you meet the father, then the father's getting advice from his own family and from his mates. That's uh, right. Perhaps, uh, and that's all conflicting. Yes, that's right, which is why it's really important that they actually speak to a pregnancy centre worker because then they can get all the information, evidence-based information and and true support, spoken in kindness, no judgment, no condemnation, just honest to goodness, compassionate, Christ-like love, where they can feel that they can explore all their options with all the facts um, and don't even need to, we don't make them make a decision right then and there on the spot. We want them to go away and process what we've told them. We give them materials to take away and then we follow them up with a phone call to, to see where they're at, what they're looking at deciding and get them back in and go, okay, so you're looking at parenting. Where are you at with your education? Where are you at with your studies or your workplace? Who do you need us to speak to to help support you? And I want you, you know, we assure them that we can connect them to numerous incredible community service organisations you know, around them and so that they've got a full support network.
This is uh, this is really important, and uh, I wish we had a lot more time to focus in on uh, a whole lot of these different individual aspects. But when you start to talk about support networks, you're talking about not only family support but also welfare support. Yes, yes, and there's a lot of just um, community organisations that are passionate about seeing people live to their full potential, um, and have got programs and um, services that are available for them to help them with different aspects of the journey that will unfold between the moment they find out they're pregnant and, you know, finishing their HSC or continuing their education. So there's a lot of great organisations in Sydney and around the country. Right. And there's also, if we were listing through some things quickly without lots of explanation, uh, the idea of uh, of foster carers and even the uh, prospect of adoption. These are two options. Absolutely. And adoption is a very positive alternative to abortion. And it is an incredible way. The laws have changed and there's um, semi-open and open adoption. There's ways where the parents, it's not um, like there's a lot of misconception about what adoption looks like. And it is an absolutely magnificent process, particularly through a lot of the Christian-based adoption services that are out there where they help the birth parent right through until um, they sign a release to con- a consent to release form and pass the baby into the adoptive parent's arms and then that's not the end you know there's still they can still maintain a level of relationship through the years it's really beautiful and powerful and wanting to invite our listeners to be part of our conversation and as we move on from uh, talking about the life already started to the sorts of support networks that you might have some experience in and perhaps you have some experience in understanding what happens in adoption in Australia, perhaps you have a question that you might like to ask Jenny Cotter who leads the Diamond Pregnancy Support Organisation there in Sydney you can call us, our talkback line is open one eight hundred three sixteen. 316. Jenny, let me ask you about adoption because uh, because somehow or other there's not a lot of adoption that happens in Australia. Mm. In fact, adoption is, is a fairly uh, lowly uh, utilised uh, option here. Do you know why that might be the case? There's um, a lot of speculation. There's no research to suggest a given reason. There's um, easy access to legalised abortion, um, the misconceptions and the stigma surrounding adoption. Sometimes um, various medical personnel and staff, when a woman's facing an unplanned pregnancy, if she discusses adoption, it's quite frowned upon. Um, And there's just the increased access to um, social services so that they can actually... Um, support themselves as a parent so adoptions quite often not it's very very rarely seen as an option by a lot of girls yeah is it because maybe there are more complicated uh, forms to fill out uh, processes to go through that makes adoption not quite so attractive does it need to change does there need to be a sort of a change to the amount of red tape that you go through the whole adoption international and local adoption laws in Australia definitely need to change and need to be a lot a lot more seamless. However, we've worked closely with um, Catholic Care and that is an exceptional service as a birth parent to go through for adoption. There's also the element of where a woman carries for nine months, you know, and that process, she's just bonding with that baby, you know, so come the time where she's looking to place the baby up for adoption, it's um, 
often she's already well bonded with the child and has chooses to keep the baby. So when that pathway is an option and uh, a young mother might be working towards adoption, the, yeah. the possibility or likelihood is, even in that bonding time of that first nine months or so, uh, that she actually decides that, no, I'm not going to give my baby up for adoption, I'm going to keep my baby. Yes, that's exactly what's happened in 100% of our adoption cases through our agency. Okay, well, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316, to be part of our conversation today. Let's take a call from uh, from Mary, who is in Bathurst. Hello, Mary. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, how are you? Good, Mary. What's your contribution, or do you um, have a question? I just wanted just to, to um, tell you about a, um, a thing that happened to my daughter. My daughter found herself pregnant um, before she was 18, and she was... At school, yep. she tried to involve the dad, and the dad didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I said, "Okay, right. Well, you know, we'll support you, um, which we have." Um, but the wonderful thing is, her school actually supported her all the way through her pregnancy, all the way through her HSC, helped her to get um, into uni. She had, she's had like. Uh, about five different offers from different universities um, in different areas from teaching to psychology, all of those sort of things. Um, and I just think that it's a wonderful thing. Her principal is a, a, is a wonderful man. He is um, he's just such a, a wonderful Christian person. Um, and Mary... So that's that's just fabulous. Let's hear from Jenny. Uh, Jenny, yes. your thoughts on what Mary's sharing and, of course, uh, talking about the, the role that a school might have when there is an unplanned pregnancy. Oh, honestly, I'm like that just delights me that that school was so supportive. It is so instrumental in, a, in, in honestly determining a woman's choices because the thought of um, facing peers or facing a judgmental principle with an unplanned pregnancy just causes dropout factors um, that are numerous. Going to school pregnant with hormones and fatigue is challenging enough, but if with an unsupportive school system, it makes it close to impossible. And the schools that are really great in supporting girls that are pregnant, honestly, it's almost like the um, heavens open up over those women and they do excel. You know, there's a level of determination. Studies have shown that women, young girls that have continued their education accelerate in their maturity and can do exceptionally well in life. I suspect, and Mary's still on the phone, but I suspect in decades gone by, uh, when a young woman falls pregnant and she drops out of school, it's it's almost like her uh, her education, her career is over. Uh, this is a, a wonderful turnaround. Do you know if that's a, a something that uh, that principals tend to uh, to look to in general is to be supportive? Do you are you aware of that, Mary? couple of schools in the area. One is in Bathurst itself and the one that uh, my daughter attended, which was Oberon. Um, yeah, they both, two of these schools both are supportive of, of young women that are, find themselves in a situation where it's an unplanned pregnancy. In my daughter's school, they actually implemented special programs. Um, if, she, if she found herself fatigued, they allowed her to go and, and sleep and um, gave her all the different support, you know, even even 
to the point that if she was not able to go to school and she was so tired, they would either give her work or, or they were prepared to send somebody to 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 come and to our house and sit with her and help her through all of all of the things that she needed to do. Once um, her little fella was born, she was able to take him to school. Um, they had a, a nursery, like a, a room where she could she could go and breastfeed him. So she was able to to have that bonding with him uh, right from the start. They gave her as much time as she needed. She she finished her HSC, like I said, and and uh, you know her, her principal and and the, the the staff at the school are, are wonderful. They are. Absolutely wonderful in in what they've done, and I I really do appreciate their help. I think that if a young one drops out of school and doesn't finish their their education, they're at such a disadvantage. And Mary, my daughter, she said to me, just tremendous to hear your story, Mary. I'll I'll have to cut you short there a little, but uh, wonderful story, and thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Uh, let me ask you, Jenny, is, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, a young woman comes to you and uh, and she has an unplanned pregnancy and there's there's meetings with parents and with the father of the child, is this another area you'd, you'd perhaps meet with uh, with school principals? Yes, um, definitely. We meet with often either the school counsellor or the careers advisor. Um, often they're the ones more engaged with the student at a ground level in terms of her future education and options regarding you know, continuing her education either at that school or connecting her with um, TAFE and doing her, continuing her education through that or maybe taking up a trade. But yes, we're definitely engaged very much at a school level. Jenny, people listening to us right around Australia, you're based in Sydney and Diamond Pregnancy Support is in Sydney. But I would imagine that uh, any reasonable-sized town, community, uh, city might have uh, someone or an organisation a little more formal, a bit like yours. If if you're in perhaps a a regional or an outer-lying community, uh, where do you find the sort of help that you offer? There are honestly pregnancy centres in a lot of regional areas. Like Megan said, I would look at um, Yellow Pages or Google it. And a lot of even city-based organisations, even like ours, go into the Greater West. We've had clients from Bathurst as well. So location isn't always an issue. Just find a great pregnancy centre, talk to someone that you can honestly relate to, connect with, that you don't feel judged by and that you can just be honest about your situation and get all the support you need. And people like you, Jenny, I mean, uh, you know, we honour someone like you who puts yourself out and uh, you're there to be support uh, to young mothers. Uh, But uh, are the people who are working with you, uh, are they other young mothers, uh, people who've been through some of the circumstances, able to be empathetic, able to be uh, putting themselves in the shoes of a young woman who's got an unplanned pregnancy? Honestly, yes. We have the full myriad. A lot of our volunteers have had experience with unplanned pregnancy or are post-abortive themselves. And some are just absolute um, committed Christians with a heart like Christ that just want to love and cherish and nurture young women into positive choices. And so far as links to local churches, do you know that local churches have, you know, perhaps groups that that spring up from time to time of women who are part of congregations who are supportive when there is a circumstance within a church? 
I am sure there are groups like that, but our experience has been that churches usually don't have a specific group, but they rather they just rally around that woman. At least the, a lot of healthy churches do. They're very supportive of women facing an unplanned pregnancy. And I suspect where you've got uh, senior pastors of churches, they're often very well connected and uh, may even be the first person uh, who actually makes some uh, referral to a centre like yours. That's correct. And um, and definitely the senior pastors are um, imperative of knowing about services like ours that exist and also making that available, you know, to their congregation and to their youth ministries so that, you know, when a, a girl... Um, you know, finds herself with an unplanned pregnancy, she can speak to her pastor who then connects her with a service that, like ours that will support her for the duration of her pregnancy with referrals and advocacy and material assistance, but then ensure that she's really connected into the heart of her church and the heart of her youth group because that's where true love and support will really come from. Jenny, do you have a website for the Diamond Pregnancy Support Group? We do. It's www.diamondpregnancysupport, all one word, dot com. Okay, we'll point people to yes. that website, www.diamondpregnancysupport.com. Yes, and uh, people will uh, no doubt want to see what you do and uh, I guess there's always opportunities for people to start these sorts of groups in a community where they might dis- discover that there isn't one already operating. That's absolutely right. The more the merrier, for sure. Jenny Cotter. From Diamond Pregnancy Support, uh, wonderful to talk to you today and yes, thank you so much for being available. Uh, we were so talking much. about Megan's book, but uh, Jenny, uh, for continuing on our conversation, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.